Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Good morning, Thrive. How are we doing this morning? All right. Good to have you guys with us today. Um, Quickly, I'm Kevin, the lead pastor here. If you didn't know who the little bald guy is, um, we have one church in two locations. We actually have a uh, campus across the river near the Squirrel Stadium. Um, and today, when I leave here, I actually get in my car and drive over. As they're finishing worship, I will walk up and share with them, too. And so I always pray for your brothers and sisters across the river and what God is doing over there. Um, one point of emphasis of prayer, but not just prayer, but action as well, is what's been going on in Houston. As you guys know, I'm sure you have seen or listened to the radio about the devastation that's happened to many over in the Houston area. And so here's what Thrive is going to do. Um, the Bible tells us that if you see your brother in need, you say, be warm and well, you know, well fed, I'll pray for you. That's wrong. Uh, John even says we should love in deed and in truth. So uh, this Thursday, what we're going to do is a special one-time um, offering where we're going to, whatever you give that day, uh, Justin has made a link for us that day to give to Convoy of Hope, a Christian organization that is on the ground helping people right now in Houston. So Thursday, you'll see Facebook, you'll see email, you'll see things come out where you can text to give, you can give online, but we're going to bless Houston um, this Thursday and not just pray for them, but we believe that we should help people experience God's love in what? Tangible ways. That's what we do at Thrive, tangible. And so we're going to bless Houston and do that. So hopefully um, if the Lord moves your heart to help um, and you're able to, that would be awesome. Well, the next four weeks, we have a very sarcastic series. Um, as you guys know, I have a little bit of sarcasm in me. And a, a series that also shares truth called Twisted. And the next four weeks, we're going to look at four of the most commonly misused Bible verses that you've misused and I certainly have misused in my life. And today, we're actually going to be in John 14, 13. If you have your copy of God's Word, you can turn to John 14, 13, or even on your Bible app. And on fall kickoff, the day when you invite all your friends, check this out, we're going to deal with the verse when Jesus says, do not judge. Because like everybody has heard that one and we all misuse that, right? So Fall kickoff's going to be awesome. We're actually going to deal with that verse on fall kickoff. Today, I want to um, deal with the verse of ask anything, ask anything. John 14, 13 says this, and Jesus said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, when I first got saved in 1999, I didn't have access to, you know, you know to, to you know, better teachers and things like that. And there's some guys on TV, not all TV preachers are bad. I'm not here hating on anybody. But I watched some that told me that I literally could name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, believe it and receive it, doubt it and do without it. So a young Christian, I was like, yeah. Anything I ask, he's got to do it. So I was laying hands on cars. I was laying hands on houses. I was laying hands on my, on my, my biology book saying, God, just let it soak into my mind right now, Lord, and just let it marinate and so I can pass this test, right? And so we've all seen this verse and somehow taken it out of context, maybe to not that extreme, or maybe you've been disappointed by that verse, when I first gave my life to Christ as part of a very faith-filled church, and there were beautiful, wonderful people who loved the Lord, 
Um, and one of the ladies in our church, a prayer warrior who led our prayer team, um, developed cancer. And so we decided that we would stand on God's word, in which we do. And I'm you know, not saying don't do that. But I want you to hear what happened to us with this verse and what can happen to you as well. We stood on the verse and said, if we ask anything in his name, he will do it. And so this lady, this young mother, we prayed for her. We fasted like for, for weeks on end. We had fasting schedules and routines and met. And we anointed oil. The elders came. We did everything the Bible says do, right? Um, this lady also refused treatment, too, because she believed on God's word. So she refused treatment for cancer. I do not suggest that. And within uh, several months later, this lady died, uh, left two children. It was a devastating thing for our church. It was a devastating thing for the people involved. And for a young believer, my faith was shaken. Even staff members' faith was, uh, was shaken. So when, when you look at this verse, it's like either Jesus didn't really mean it or it's not true wrong. Maybe it's that we have twisted it. Maybe we've not looked at it in the way that uh, in context of what it really means. And so what I want to do each week, what we're going to do, when we look at scripture, we're going to look at how do we interpret the Bible. When you, when you look at the Bible, how do you really interpret it? Because you just can't take one scripture here and one scripture there because you can really make some crazy. That's how cults get started, right? And I know nobody's done that here, but you want to be able to take scripture and look at it and handle it correctly in your life. And so here's three things we're going to do every week. The first thing is you have, when you interpret the Bible, is understand the context. If somebody sends you an email or a text message, do you take one sentence and go crazy with it? You shouldn't. You shouldn't take one sentence in an email and say, you know, they said this or they said that. You look at the whole email, don't you? But you not only look at the whole email, you look at the relationship you have with that person, don't you? And you think of all the conversations you've had before. If you narrow down just one conversation with someone and you isolate it to that, every one of us would be divorced by the end of the day, right? <laughs> because every married couple has the conversations where it's like, oh, that one conversation. The same thing when it comes to the Bible. you got to look at who is the writer? Who is he writing to? What's the larger context of what's happening? And read the whole thing. The other thing you've got to do, too, when you look at Scripture, not only the context of what's happening, but you got to interpret Scriptures with other Scriptures, so when you look at a scripture, what does the rest of scripture say about this? And you know, that's one thing I've really tried to do here is that we look at a passage or we look at something, we look at the totality of what the Bible really teaches, interpret scriptures with scriptures. You can't just, that's one thing you, you won't hear from me here. Um, I heard this from Andy Stanley, it's not original, and he like blew every preacher's mind at this conference. I have never been so on the edge of my seat ever in my life. He opened up his talk at a conference by saying, preachers, stop saying the Bible says. And, of course, it was a long talk, and I don't have time to go into that. But here, here's the point. The Bible says a lot of things that people who are not Christians can take one verse and say, well, the Bible says this. The Bible says that. We have to look at what the writer said, what the writer intended, who the writer was writing to. And so many times you'll hear me say the Apostle Paul wrote this here, wrote this there. And if you listen enough, because I want you to understand that you've got to interpret not only in context, but scriptures with other scriptures. What does the rest of the Bible say about this? And then finally, here's the third thing we'll look at. You have to apply what you learn. The Bible is not just a history book. And yes, it's history. It's not fairy tales. 
It's a history book, but it's also a living document by the Spirit and the, uh, the Spirit of God that connects with the Word of God. And, it, and God wants you to live the Word of God out. Not just listen, but do. He wants you to live the Word of God out. And so when we look at Scriptures every week, at these tough Scriptures, we're going to look at context, we're going to look at Scriptures with other Scriptures, and we're going to apply what we learn. So look at John. So we're looking at John. Let's look at it real quick. Is this here? Who wrote the Gospel of John, boys and girls? John. That's the easy one, right? It bears his name there. The other thing you have to think about when you read the Gospel of John, he was the last living apostle um, in the late first century. And so he wrote this gospel so that uh, people in that day would understand that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the only begotten Son of God. He is God in the flesh. He was God in the flesh. He is the, you know, the, the second person of the Trinity. He wanted people to know that in his day and time. Matter of fact, it's cool. In the Gospel of John, he writes his purpose statement at the very end. In John 20, 31, and you can write this in your notes, John actually wrote that I wrote this so that you may believe. And by, and by believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you may have eternal life. So that's why he wrote it. Because in that day and time, John, the last living apostle, people in the first century were saying, well, he was, he's not really God in the flesh. He was a good teacher. He was a good man. He was a prophet, but not God in the flesh. And John said, time out. I got one last book to write. And I'm going to write it about what I know about the man I walked with and the crucifixion that I saw, and the resurrection that I saw, and the miracles that I saw, so that you may believe in Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah. So when you look at the Gospel of John, there's an overarching theme about this here. Now when you look at John 14, you look at just that scripture, you say, I ask anything in my name, why would Jesus say that? Jesus at this point, and some scholars believe, that he was actually what they call in, in an upper room, where they had the Last Supper at, some scholars believe that they just stayed up there and he gave this discourse, John 14, 15, 16. John 14 is the preparations he'll make. John 15 is, I'm the vine of the branches. Remember that? And then John 16 is who the Holy Spirit is. Not what is he, who is he? And so you see actually in, in there, and then John 17 is when Jesus goes to pray, the guys get him, crucifixion, you know the story. So in John 14, he's telling his disciples that he's going to make preparations. And not only that, in John 14, he's like, hey, look, I am Messiah. A good teacher doesn't say, ask me anything, and I'm going to do it because I control everything. Does a good prophet or teacher say that? No, a false prophet or teacher says that. He's saying, I am the Son of God. I am God in the flesh. And so when you look at John 14, he is showing them, man, that he has authority over the heavens and, and the earth. He's not just a good man, but he is God in the flesh. Now look what he says here, and his, this is the kicker. So when you look at John 14, 13, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, what's the next words that come out, church? Look, read that. What's that? So that. So that. The purpose. What is the purpose of Jesus answering our prayers? He tells us right here. This is great. The Bible answers it. So the Father may be glorified in the Son, so that you see God the Father through Jesus the Son, that you see that he is Messiah. Does that make sense to you? So in the Gospel of John, John records eight major miracles. 
And his miracles that he records there is not just you can see Jesus do some cool stuff in the Gospels. He records these miracles, and each one of them point to Jesus being God in the flesh. And so when, so when he says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, he's saying this, so God may receive ultimate glory through anything that I do and anything that you pray. See, many times we make prayer about our comfort, right? I've got a hangnail. Pray for me. Why are we praying for you? So I may feel better. Let's be real, church. Pray for Grandpa. He consumes way too much cholesterol. He eats jars of butter, and he's going in for a heart stand. Pray for him. Why? So he can feel better and be okay. Oh, okay, okay, cool. So I'm, 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 I'm going to mess you up with Christianity. We don't pray so we can feel better. We pray so that Jesus may be revealed to the world and they may believe. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. So if God heals someone, it's not just so they can say, man, that's great. I feel so much better. This is awesome. No, it's to say, you know what? He's real. He's alive. God didn't get Jesus up from the dead. So Jesus said, man, I'm so glad I'm not dead anymore. And so the world may believe upon him. So when you look at this verse here and you see it, I believe our purpose of prayer means so much. And let me say this. Don't interpret what you believe will bring bring God the most glory. Well, I just know if if God does this, it'll just bring him the most glory. Oh, you do say, oh, wow. When did did God die and you you become God? (laughs) Right? Because I do that. God, I'm telling you, man, if you, if you save that person, whoo, the kingdom of God will be doing great. Do you notice God never uses the stars? When I say stars, I mean like, like people who are like the superstars. God uses the people you never thought that he could ever use. And we're like, yeah, if you, if you save that billionaire, whoo, the kingdom will be doing great. Save that movie star. He's like, no, 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 no. I got this person ain't nobody thinking about, and I can do anything with him. See, see, you know, we often interject what we believe will bring God the most glory when we come into things and we see things. And so when you look at that prayer, my fear is, and you look at that scripture, is that you're going to be disappointed like I was. I see people all the time that I deal with as a pastor and our staff deal with that, man, you get disappointed. Man, I prayed for this. I really prayed. I prayed God's word back. I fasted. We stood on the word, right? And then God didn't do what we asked him to do. And we come to this tension in our faith where we're like, this crossroads is like, well, is God real? If he didn't do it, I mean, why didn't he do what I asked him to do? Why didn't he do it exactly the way I asked him to do it? Why didn't he? Because, and here's the reason. Because it's a mystery. And God will choose as we pray and we operate in faith to give himself the most glory in situations we never thought could give him glory. Think about the disciples. Peter's like, no, dude, Jesus, you're not dying. Bro, you're not dying. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. I know, like, I know God's will. I'm interjecting. I know God's will. I know, no, 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 you're not dying. And, and what, what in the world did Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. That's some strong language, right? It's like you don't know what will bring God the most glory. Peter never thought Jesus hanging on a cross, beaten as a criminal, would ever bring God the most glory. And look what that did. And so when we look at that verse, we have to learn to understand that the purpose is so that Jesus will be revealed to the world. 
and that people will come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of it. So here's what I want to do today. What matters to God when you pray? If it's about his glory, what really matters to God? I want us to look at other scriptures. So you look at John 14, 13, and you can quote that scripture. And hopefully all this week you'll be saying, if I ask anything in his name, he'll do it so that I receive glory. And you can go over and over that verse. But then you can look at what, really, what matters to God when you pray. So when you see that verse, let's look at other scriptures. Here's the first thing to write in your notes. Here's the first point. What matters to God when you pray? And number one, your relationships matter. Your relationships matter. Look at Mark 11, 24 and 25, and he's got some of the same verbiage in there as he writes his gospel. He was the first one to actually pen a gospel, um, is what, uh, again, most scholars believe. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believing that you have received it, and it will be yours. So let's just stop there. I could really preach that, right? I could make y'all happy. I could make you dancey. I could make you clappy. But let's keep reading because you've got to read in context, right? And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against who? Man, that, that convicts me and convicted me this week. Forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins as well. I want you to understand that your relationships matter to God when you pray. Your heart toward other people, the forgiveness or unforgiveness toward other people. I mean, imagine it's like, God, I want a pony. Give me a pony. I want a pony right now. Give me a pony. Give me a pony in Jesus' name. No, I hate my brother. I will not talk to him. God's like, you're not getting a pony. It's like my son. It's amazing. Like, literally, the other, the other day, you know, we do this thing, the show that when he hurts, sometimes he'll, you know, he gets overzealous, and, and, he, and he hit Deanna. And, and so they're playing. I come out of the, the bathroom that night. He's standing there, and he comes running toward me. And he says, give me gummy bears. <laughs> and, and, and mom's over there pretending like she's crying, like he's hurt because he can see. And I said, hold up. You, you want gummy bears? He says, give me gummy bears. So number one, bro, you're not, you're not asking rice, you know, right? So number two, I said, mama's crying. I said, did, did you hit mama? And he just got quiet. He said, you're not getting gummy bears, bro. You need to go to mama and tell her you're sorry. And he goes over, as he's been taught at B-Bells, to say, you know, in French, he says, pardon, pardon. And he says, sorry, in French. And he goes there and hugs her and he goes that. And then, yes, I gave him gummy bears. But that's, we laugh. That's how we treat God. God, give me this. God, give me that. Promotions, blessings, favor. No, I'm not going to forgive that person. You know, if they got hit by a horse and carriage, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cry. I wouldn't pray for them. That's how you feel about some people, right? You would never say that, but we gloat when something goes wrong. And God's like, no, man, I'm not blessing that. You've got to learn to have a clean slate. Your relationships matter to God when you pray. So when you stand praying, ask God, help me to search my heart. Is there bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, envy, division, strife, gossip? Here, what is it in my heart, God, you need to clean as I'm praying for you to do things in my life for your glory. Look at this in marriage. This is great. And all the husbands will get really mad at me. The wives are going to love me. So here's the deal. 1 Peter 3, 7 says this. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And watch this. And, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. And the weaker partner, most believe, again, emotionally, women are created to be more sentimental. That doesn't mean that you're, that, that you're, you're um, inferior, but let's just face it. Most women have in their makeup and DNA, the way God made us, that they are more sentimental, more emotional in a good way. Thank God for that. Um, 
heirs with you is a gracious gift of God. Watch this. So that, purpose, nothing will hinder your prayers. Husbands, when you're constantly an unrepentant jerk to your wife, God does not want you going to the prayer closet trying, you know, to claim things and believe things. In the King James Version, when I'm a jerketh to Deanna, God's like, no gummy bears, man. No gummy bears. You're not getting it. So even in, in, in marriage, like that could hinder our prayer. So to God, as we look at other scriptures, we look at John 14, 13, our relationships with other people really matter to God, that God would help us. And, and I know the forgiveness thing is a big thing to unlock. It's really hard. Um, it's easy to say, God, I forgive them. But let me just say this quickly. you got to do it daily. And every time that person surfaces to your mind, you start having imaginary conversations, cortisol starts pumping, you get angry, um, you just say, God, please help me forgive them. And I promise you, over time, over time, over time, it gets better if you continue to do that and say, God, help me forgive because in my own strength, I can't do it. That, that, that's the short sermon on forgiveness. That's the number one question I ask is how do I do it daily? Over and over and over. And every time they come to your mind and you get mad, over again, God help me. Here's the second thing that matters. Your motives matter. Your motives matter. Not only relationships, but your motives matter to God. See, when Jesus came on the scene and he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount, the main thing that he attacks in the Jewish religion and the Jewish religious leaders was this. Motives. The Jewish religious leaders wanted to be seen so when they gave, they like, you know, would go to coin store, got all the coins, like took, put, put hundreds in for coins, and they would take it and zing it, they called it, into the big metal trays, make lots of noise. Wow, that's a big giver there. When they prayed, they stand on the street corners with their tassels and robes so they could, people could hear them. That's a really spiritual person. And it made Jesus sick. Hey, Jesus, see, when they fasted, they went around, oh, I'm fasted, yeah, I'm okay. Woo, just doing it for the glory of God. Woo, don't know if I can make it. Please pray for me, brother. Woo, it was tough. <laughs> Giving, fasting, praying were three things all little good Jewish boys and girls did. And so like, that's, that, that's, that's part of their, 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 their piety. So Jesus come on the scene saying, that makes me sick. That's what he said. When you pray, it's not about people looking at you. When you give, it's not about people knowing what you give. When you fast, their motives were messed up. And if we're honest, uh, and I don't know, maybe I'm just that much more worse than all the rest of you guys, which gives you hope, is that my motives have been messed up too. There's been times I've not, I've prayed, God, do you be glorified? But you know what I'm really asking? God, will you glorify me? God, make me famous. Make my name big. I've talked to several friends that are pastors who, as we get older, when you're in your 20s, you want to change the world. I talked to a guy today, we're going to change the world. It's like, dude, the older you get, you can't even change your spouse. (laughs) You just pray that God would change hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that's all you can do is pray. That's because you you realize you can't change anything, right? (laughs) My son doesn't want to be changed in the morning. And so so my motives when I was younger was like, I want to go to the nations, quote, unquote. And what I wanted to do, like my friend, it was funny. He said his dream was that when he graduated college, is that in his cap and gown, he would walk upstairs to the top of the roof after, after the guy shakes the man's hand and he gets the diploma and a helicopter would come flying down and his tassel and robe be flying and he gets in with his Bible and waves goodbye as he goes to the nations to preach to the nations every day. 
We laugh so hard about that, right? Because he left there and went and sold shoes. <laughs> but so many times we do pray. When I had a band and I played in a band and secretly I think, you know, I prayed the right things. Outwardly I look back, my motive was God make us famous. Not that your ultimate glory could come out of my life, no matter what that means, but God make us famous. And a lot of times our motives could be wrong. And look at what James, the half-brother of Jesus, said in James 4, 3. He said, and when you ask, you do not receive, watch this, because you ask with the wrong motives. James 4, 3, you ask with the wrong motives. What's your motive for this prayer being answered? I talk to pastors all the time. They're like, man, I want my church to grow. I was like, that's the dumbest prayer I've ever heard. <laughs> because God's not going to answer that prayer. Some of y'all look at me like, you're angry. Not. I said, you need to pray that God will be glorified in your ministry and people's lives will be changed and the Holy Spirit would awaken them to passion. You pray that, God can answer that prayer. He's not here to make you famous. He's here to make Jesus famous. And see, see like with the right motive, it changes everything. Look at this here in Proverbs 16.2. Right? This is Proverbs 16.2. It says, all a person's ways seem pure to them, right? Like, you're like, like no, no, I'm great. What's this guy talking about on stage? <laughs> but motives are weighed by the Lord. So not only do relationships matter, not only do your motives matter when you pray, but here's the third thing. Your faith matters when you pray. Faith matters when you pray to God. Look at this here, James 1, 6 and 7. And this is the half-brother of Jesus. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. See, evidently, your faith does move the heart of God. It's having faith and believing. God, uh, not that you can, but God, I believe you will. And even if you don't, I'm still going to believe. Because you never, listen, you never put your faith in results. You put your faith in the one who controls the results, Right? And somebody like that, the rest of y'all are going to be in trouble next week when you pray. Um, but, but, when you, but when you pray, look at that. Put your, your faith in God who never changes, not the things you see around you. Look what Jesus said. I love this here. He says in Matthew 9, 29 and 30, it says, Then Jesus touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Isn't that amazing? According to your faith, they exercise faith in Jesus. I love when I hear children pray. Anybody love that when you hear a child pray? Like I've been teaching my son to pray for things. Like, Daddy, I hurt my finger, you know, two and a half. I'm like, hey, man, let's, let's pray and ask Jesus to heal it. Well, now he prays for people. When I'm not around, I hear about it. Like, this is so cool. And God honors those prayers. I remember when I was a youth pastor, we had this huge outreach that we were doing with our students, drama, worship, I mean, everything that we were doing. And we were going to this, the worst neighborhood um, that we were there. I, pastor Keith Rowell was with us. His wife, Lauren, at that time was with us as well in Georgia, this youth ministry. And as we were getting ready to go that day, I'm talking about a Forrest Gump thunderstorm came up and began to move over. And we saw it and we were like, man, we can't go do the outreach. I mean, we had like a tractor trailer ready, sound system. I mean, we were giving away free food. I mean, it was like a big blowout. And those teens said, Pastor Kevin, we need to get here in a circle. We need to pray. Because Jesus said, if we ask anything in his name, he'll do it so that the Father may be glorified. They literally said that to me. We got to pray right now. And 37 of us got together in a circle and we prayed. And man, it didn't rain until we got finished with the last drama and we gave the salvation. Listen to this. No, 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 no. Until we gave the salvation altar call 
And there were seven people who surrendered their life to Jesus out there in that park. Amen. God was moved by that faith, and not so that we could just go out there and have fun, or God, God keep the rain away so we can enjoy the vacation, right? I've prayed that before. I literally have. <laughs> well, God, it will glorify you if I get to rest, and then you, you, know, you, you really you know, spend that. But man, God answered that prayer because we put faith in him, and we said, God, we want you to be glorified in that, that we exercise faith there. So I want you guys to think about it in, in your life. Not only do your relationships matter, not only does your motives matter and your faith matters, and you're saying, well, I got it. If I got those three things down, I, I, can, I can do it. Literally, if I got relationships are good, okay, I'm clean. I got the right motives, that's good. And my faith, and my faith is good, I'm good. Time out. Because if not, you'll be claiming everything. You'll be like, I claim that house in Jesus' name. Knowing you can't pay the taxes on it or the, afford the utilities, but you're going, I, I claim it right now. I claim, this, I claim this brand new car in the name of Jesus, knowing there's no way if it breaks down you can pay for something like that. You got singles walking into the single ministry. I claim her. That blonde over there, I claim that right there. I claim her. Jeff, I got her first in the name of Jesus. She's mine. Don't even do it. I claimed it. I claimed it. Because the fourth thing and the final thing that matters to God, we pray, is God's will. God's will matters. Not only, you know, again, relationships, your motives, and your faith, but God's will matters to God. If not, we're going to treat God like a magic genie. Come on, God. Come on, God. Come on. Look. We'll use the name of Jesus like, just like a lucky rabbit's foot. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name, if I just say it enough, he's going to do it. In the name of Jesus. Here's, here's the fourth thing. God's will matters. God's will matters. I want you to look at this, this verse here in 1 John. This is another book that John wrote. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for him. See, people say all the time, well, God knows my heart. He does. That could be scary, but um, I digress. But do you know God's heart? That's the question. Do you know God's heart? God knows my heart, but, but, but do you know God's heart? Do you know God's desires? That's what that word will means. We'll look at in 2 Timothy. It's, a, it's, a, it's an urgent, strong desire, philia. Do, do you know what God's will is? Because that's what matters to God is his will. Again, it's not our comfort. It's not our desires. It's not our heart. It's his heart, and it's his will. And when we ask, we must also ask again according to his will. Um, here's the thing, and I close with this. We... We often throw the name of Jesus around like we said. We said in the name of Jesus, so it's good. We, we, we get what we want, so we use the name of Jesus, right? But when you look at the first century, when Jesus talked about a king and a kingdom and things of that nature, here's the language that he used. We don't understand kings and kingdoms and all that because we have a, a president, we have a democracy, we have a republic, and things of that nature. But here's what it meant. If you had a king and the king wanted to send a decree to another country, he would send somebody called an ambassador who had a sealed envelope, and the ambassador would show up and say, I'm here on behalf of King so-and-so. He has sent me, and I have a request to make, and here's the sealed envelope with that request. The ambassador did not have his own authority, right? He was under the authority of the king. And so he would show up with that envelope and say, Here, here's what the king wants. Here's the king's edict. Here's the king's decree. Here's what the king has, and that's what he would do. You and I are the ambassadors, and it says that in, in Corinthians, that we're ambassadors. God, literally, God has sent us as ambassadors. We're not kings. We're ambassadors. 
And an ambassador would never go to another king or to someone of another country and say, well, here's what I really, I mean, in the name of king whoever, here's what I think this should happen. Let me just interject. No, they have one purpose, and that's the will of the king to carry out the decree of the king. And that's why the king sent them. Guys, that's our only that's our only decree that we have. We are ambassadors, and we come in the name of Jesus. That's the name of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're not just using it as a name. We're in the name of Jesus, name of Jesus, name of Jesus. Come on, come on, God. No. We're asking in the name of the King, and we're bringing his authority when we do it, not our own. Does that make sense? Like, when you, when you pray the King's will matters, you have to know what that is is here's the thing if some of you are battling today that you've been praying and you don't see anything happening and you're thinking man god's maybe not doing it and you're wondering what's going on i want to encourage you i pray all the time and sometimes i don't see things that happen i'm wondering god where are you at when god what are you doing he's moving and he's always working when you pray you have to exercise faith have right relationships clean motives and and the like but you also have to understand this. I believe that he will, not just he can. And even if he doesn't, I still choose to believe in him. It, John 14, 14 says, you may ask for me anything in my name and I will do it. Ultimately, we are God's servants. He's not ours. And if we take this verse wrong, we make God our servant instead of us being his servants to do his will. I want to pray for you today, guys. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are thankful for your word, God, that it, you had John Wright quoting Jesus. If we ask anything in your name, you'll do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. God, we pray this one thing. Change our hearts, God, to line up with your heart. Ultimately, we don't just pray for comfort. We don't just pray to feel better. We don't just pray to look better. We don't just pray to act better. We don't pray for more things. We pray for your glory. God, right now, we pause. And Father, I pray for some people, it's going to be a sacred moment, for some followers of Jesus right now, for the first time, maybe in a long time or the first time ever, they're going to say, God, may I pray for your glory to be revealed. May I pray you do it in a way we only know it's you, so only you can receive the glory. Father, I pray that today we all leave with that posture, that we all leave with that posture. God, I also ask for followers of you in here that if there's unforgiveness, bitterness, envy, anything in their heart, God, dissension against someone else, you would help them forgive that person and release them daily. Father, I pray that you would empower our faith. Give us the faith to believe. Give us the faith to believe, Lord. God, literally, Give us the desires of our heart, meaning, Lord, change the motives of our heart as we pray to reflect your glory. And then finally, Lord, we pray that you would help us draw closer to you. Lord, free us from the prison that we often live in called ourselves. And may we replace that with your glory, that Jesus may be made famous in this earth, God. And as we pray today, church, and you're sitting in here right now, and we're taking a sacred moment before the Lord, 
Maybe you've come to Thrive today and you know it's time to give your life to Jesus. Maybe for the first time ever, maybe you're returning to the Lord and you know it's time to recommit your life to Him and you're saying, God, I want to lay my life fully over to you. Today, if you come to Thrive and that's your desire to take the first step in a great journey, I'm asking you to do something very simply. It's going to be to lift your hand in a second. When you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, when you believe that He is the only way to heaven, when you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, I believe you are Lord, then you are saved. You are made right with God by your faith. So right now what I'm going to do, the first steps between me, you, and God, no one else, the next steps to other people. When I count to three, if you want that to be you today, you want to make that decision, when I count to three, just lift your hand. And we're going to pray together. One, two, three. Anybody say, that's me today. Amen. Amen. I see those hands. Amen. 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 Right now where you're sitting, guys, it's, 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 very, it's very simple. So simple a child can believe. I want you to pray this prayer. It's a confession of faith. Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So right now where you're sitting, I want you to pray this with me. And you can pray this uh, as I pray. You can say, Father God, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I cannot save myself by my works. But I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross and rose again to wash away my sins. Today, Lord, forgive me. I turn and I turn to you. And today, I'm making you my Lord. Help me to know your heart, God, as I pray and as I live for you. It's in Jesus' good name that we pray. Amen. Man, there were several people who gave their life to Jesus today. Amen. Put your hands together. My prayer today is, is that this message freed some people in here to pray some powerful prayers. I want you to stand.